0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskali Ribocyclob 200mg at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you.
1: A man that I've known, a man that is tough and smart, a man that's running against somebody that's never done a damn thing in the Senate, Mr. Jason Lewis. Thank you, Frankie Lane. Thank you, Mr. President. Thank you, Charlotte. It is uh, day two of my fill-in for Vince. The Vince Coakley program here on News Talk 1110, WBT 99.3 FM, of course. So glad to be back. The talk show host formerly known as Congressman Jason Lewis doing my best to uh, give Vince a rest, as I uh, I do for a few of the hosts here in the Queen City. And it's always a pleasure. Very, very special, um, very, very special program today. Coming up in the second hour, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. will stop by for a quick segment talk about his now race for the independent side of the presidential race he has quit the democrat party because it was rigged uh, with regard to the delegates he could not get the nomination there he is hitting a populist middle in this country he is speaking to a lot of people who feel that either party Uh, don't represent their views. In fact, I read one poll where Kennedy was just as popular with Republicans for his anti-COVID mandates as he is with Democrats. In fact, Democrats are shunning him and calling him a conspiracy theorist and all of this. So it should be an interesting conversation with the son of the the late Attorney General, Bobby Kennedy. RFK Jr. will join us, uh, talk about his presidential run coming up next hour. And if that weren't enough, Steve Garvey is running for the Senate in California i got a great Steve Garvey story for you, but that is amazing. This guy's 74. He looks like he's 54. He was one of the great Dodger uh, first basemen of all time. In fact, watching that great playoff game last night between the the Astros and the Twins reminded me of all my old baseball years and the highlights of all of my wannabe baseball escapades was the congressional baseball game in 2018. I was playing shortstop. Guess who our assistant coach was? Steve Garvey, the longtime Republican Dodger, now running for the U.S. Senate in California. Well, naturally, um, age has gotten the best of me, and I wasn't quite as nimble as I hoped, and I quickly popped up in my first at-bat. However, the highlight of all of my baseball years... I run back to the dugout, Steve Garvey's on the steps, and he says, way to be aggressive on the first pitch. I hit the first pitch. I always hit the first pitch, even when I was playing high school and amateur ball. But how's that for a great story? I mean, you get get the idea that you just got complimented by... By Steve Garvey. (laughs) That was the highlight of my congressional career, let alone my baseball career. Anyway, it's interesting. It'll be fascinating to watch if Garvey has a shot. You know, Kevin McCarthy announced the other day that he's not running for speaker. And we'll talk about the chaos that's still unfolding in the House, that he's not running for speaker. And that, however, he was going to now run again. Everybody thought he'd quit, become a lobbyist, make a lot of money but he's going to be be, be, um, uh, be running again and recruiting and raising money for more California Republicans. So now you've got Garvey in the mix. You've got 300 people. What did I read the other day? 300 people a day, a day, are moving to uh, to Texas from California? Can that be right? There's a massive exodus out of the Golden State. And so maybe maybe the timing... Uh, is right. It's hard to say what what we've seen from this massive red state um, importation or exodus from blue states, be it Massachusetts, Illinois, Minnesota, um, California. It's a story that will not be told by the mainstream media. The story that's not being told within the United States is, and by the way, on my newsletter, jasonlewis.substack.com, I have a, a post not long ago on how the census was rigged. No, no, I don't want to hear any conspiracy talk. I'm talking about the census admitting, are you ready for this? They overcounted eight states. Seven of them were the blue ones. And that, in fact, Minnesota should have lost a congressional seat. Colorado shouldn't have got another one. New York should have lost more. Now think about this, not only in the context of the Electoral College and its impact, but in the context of congressional representation and the race for speaker. McCarthy, you wouldn't have had this mess with McCarthy had Republicans had the appropriate number of legislators, but they did not because the census, the greatest disparity from the 2019 estimates to the 2020 count ever, there's a year before estimate of the census. They had all these blue states losing Tons of of congressional members. And all of a sudden, at the last minute in 2020, why, they find a bunch more folks sitting in the Twin Cities in New York and you name it, Colorado. How did that happen? And the census admitted it. So if we had a proper census count, we could see up close and personal by congressional representation how there is this exodus going from blue states to red states, and yet the media have spiked this story. They've spiked it because it's not the narrative they want. They've spiked it because the real real test of governance is not what the Star Tribune or the Charlotte Observer or the New York Times says in a headline. The real test of governance is labor and capital, Are they staying or are they leaving? And they are leaving these blue states. Governor Tim Walls of Minnesota, which is in a total free fall, notwithstanding the raucous crowd at Target Field, who, by the way, were thankful for the cold weather because that meant they weren't going to get their car hijacked on the way out of Target Field last night. Too cold. Uh, People are fleeing Minnesota like you cannot believe. That's where I was elected to Congress And I will tell you, um, it's evident, but nobody wants to talk about that. But what happens, the question becomes, with regard to Garvey, is when you flee, when these blue states shrink, is it better for Republicans or worse? Are they becoming bluer because only lunatics staying there are the people that have destroyed those states? And are the red states getting redder? Which means we better embrace federalism or we're going to have a de facto civil war on our hands. Because the country is coming apart or, or dividing by, by philosophy in a big, big way. All right, we are back on the Vince Coakley Show. I am former Congressman Jason Lewis filling in once again for Vince today and glad to be here. Want to hear from you. At 704-570-1110 or 1-800-928-1110. As I say, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. coming up next hour. In the meantime, let me get you up to date on all the latest, obviously, the the... Gaza Strip now will cease any any modicum of self-rule as Israel gets ready for a ground invasion there. Um, the world is lurching towards war if other countries get involved. Qatar supports Hamas. Turkey, um, you know, the, I love the the pro-Ukrainian war folks out in in Washington and in the media. Well, Russia has been an advocate of no, they haven't not since the Soviet Empire, not the Soviet Empire, the Soviet Union um russia has sort of been neutral in the middle east since then china is very much involved but they don't want to talk about china so the usual spin as i said yesterday do not believe a word you hear or see from the mainstream media you're better off getting your news on x or right here um but nevertheless this could this could become a real conflagration conflagration i should say if um If all these countries get involved, uh, because uh, there is a tripwire for the United States here as well. So we'll keep an eye on that and let you know uh, your your thoughts on what should be done or what shouldn't be done. You know, that's an interesting aspect to every public policy. What should we do and what shouldn't we do? Uh, Often we're talking about, well, we need to do this and this and this. Yeah, we do. But what shouldn't we do? Uh, and I'd love your take on all of that with regard to the Middle East on fire right now. Uh, in the House, <laughs> the House of Representatives also appears to be metaphorically on fire, has Republicans now are less, less united on the speakership than they were with Kevin McCarthy. Remember, McCarthy got an overwhelming number of votes uh, in the uh, in the vote for House House Speaker, um, in, in the caucus, he got like, I can't remember the total figure, but it was 199, 200 votes, something like that. There were 10 or 15 holdouts that turned into eight who, who ousted him. Um, the secret ballot that's taken in these organizational meetings, and that's when the conference meets to decide the rules of the next session and the leadership usually happens before the congressional session, not in the middle of it, but that's what they did yesterday. And the secret vote for speaker was, I think, 113 to 99, which means 99 Republicans are opposed to Scalise. Now, most of those have come on board after Scalise won the secret ballot. But there are still 20 or 30 holdouts, maybe just 20. But if you don't get all of the Republicans, 217, I think it is, um, you know, well, I think it's uh, no, actually, there's about 221 I believe that the the rule that was proffered was we're not going to come out of this meeting until we have a speaker designee that has 217 solid votes. And the reason for that is the Democrats will all vote for Hakeem Jeffries. And since there's only a four or five vote margin in the House, that means almost every Republican has to vote for the Republican designee or they lose. And that's what happened with McCarthy. McCarthy. You had just four, five, six, seven, eight people that defected. Add that to the Democrats in an evenly split House, and you oust McCarthy. Well, the same dynamic is true now. If you have four, or five, let alone 10 or 20 Republicans that defect and don't vote for Scalise, combine that with 215 Democrats, you got an overwhelming majority against him. So here we go again, right? Uh, there could be ballot after ballot for the speakership. Um, They have not brought this to the floor because they don't have the votes. Scalise does not have the votes. Uh, Holdouts for Jim Jordan don't sound like they're going anywhere, at least as of now. And so we're paralyzed. And there are a lot of Republicans out there going, what the heck is going on here? And so I want to ask you, quite frankly, is clearly there is a massive divide in the Republican Party. As I said yesterday. This is the difference between the parties. Democrats are committed socialists. And if anyone, including someone like Robert F. Kennedy Jr., questions the orthodoxy, they are summarily snuffed out. There is no free thought in the Democrat Party anymore, as if there were, but there's none now. Uh, there is no um, um, room for a diverging view. They circle the wagons around Joe Biden. Like he's 40 instead of 400. But Republicans, they circle the wagons and shoot inward. And that's what they're doing. If there's any way out of this, at some point, you're going to have to find out what is the divide. Now, I've written widely on what I think the real divide is in the Republican Party. Uh, I wrote about it in my book, Party Animal, The Truth About President Trump. Power Politics and the Partisan Press, which, by the way, if you like Jason Lewis on the radio, how about 10 hours of Jason Lewis in the audio version of my book, Party Animal at Audible or iTunes. But I give a lot of inside baseball in that book about these organizational meetings, how to elect leadership, the rules. And I know what the divide is. Uh, If you read the book, you know what the divide is. It's a fight within a fight that really doesn't have a solution now by by that i mean all of this started because of a budget process that's gone awry the republicans cannot arrive at a budget they're in the majority they have the chairmanship of these committees primarily the appropriations committees and they can't pass their bills what is in what is called regular order where 12 bills come to the floor, one for each single subject, ostensibly. It's really not, but you're supposed to be. So one for infrastructure, one for education, one for defense, you name it. And their bills are introduced. The clerk refers them to the committee. They mark them up. They're sent to the floor with a closed amendment or an open amendment, usually closed. But they're vetted and debated in committee and on the floor. And each line item is more concise than an omnibus bill, which packages them all together. And you can read the bill and you can cut out spending or you can add an amendment or you can do something. That's regular order. And it's got to be done by October 1 of every year. If it's not, the government shuts down. Because you don't have, you have constitutionally, you have to appropriate money before you spend it, which is as it should be. Why can't they do that? That is the essence of... Now, the only way out, if they don't do this, is they sign a continuing resolution or an omnibus bill, and that's what got McCarthy in trouble. It's sort of a punt. I know what the fight is. I've written about it at Substack. But I want to I find out from you what you think the great divide in the Republican Party really is. Because everybody realizes there is a divide, but not one person in 100 can tell you what it's about. As is tradition, when uh, Jason Lewis fills in for one of the gang at WBT, we got a Beetle Bumper Friday coming up tomorrow on the program. One more day as I fill in for Vince Coakley, a couple of well-deserved days off, and then he's back on Monday. But in the meantime, we will hold down the fort, and tomorrow being Friday, a veritable tradition on the program, a Beetle Bumper Friday will... Set up your weekend. In the meantime, we are taking your calls at 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110 for what you think the real crux, the real origin of the Republican divide is. You're never going to fix a problem until you recognize it. And I don't care whether it's war in the Mideast, in Ukraine, or, or the division in the House. What is the divide? Because there's a massive divide in the Republican Party right now, much more so than the Democrat Party. The Democrat Party rallies around its, its corporatism, its socialist corporate state, where corporations get in bed with government. That's not free markets. That is a corporatism. In fact, RFK Jr., who will join us next hour, speaks a lot about that. Um, but they've rallied around to snuff him out so they can keep the game going. There's no dissension there. They're all going to vote for Hakeem Jeffries when the vote on the floor comes up for Speaker. There's no dissension. Why is there dissension in the Republican ranks? Because it's a party being tugged at by two opposing forces, and it's all overspending and priorities. I'm not going to look, I've written about this at jasonlewis.substack.com. You can go there to find out. Wrote about it in Party Animal, my book. So you don't need to hear the spiel one more time. If you've been listening, been reading, you know. And I may reveal it again, what the hell. But I want to get your opinion on it because I think that's revealing instructive. You can hear people lament all day long about, oh, there's no unity. The gang of eight didn't have a plan. They just don't have a place of, of, of secession in, in mind. We just can't have this chaos. That's great. Wonderful. Revealing tells you nothing about what's driving the angst in the GOP. And I will tell you what it is tangentially, and that is there are two groups both of which both of which agree on one thing. They don't want across the board spending cuts. So they're fighting over spending priorities. And what it boils down to is one group Wants to massively increase spending along with the Democrats because that gets their priorities funded. The other group just wants to fund their priorities and zero out Democrats, knowing full well that that won't happen and they'll have a shutdown. That's it. You got the shutdown folks who are totally unrealistic as to who's going to get blamed for a shutdown and what the Democrats will do in a divided country, in a divided government. And then you've got the big spenders who say, well, we'll give the Democrats what they want as long as they give us what they want. That is it. Now, what's that over? I'll leave it to you to guess. I know what it's over. I fought it when I was in the 115th Congress, to no avail. And I don't know, frankly, what the way out of this is all i know is that both democrats and republicans and both factions within the republican party the hardline hawks and the so-called budget hawks which really aren't budget hawks they both agree on one thing they don't want across the board spending cuts and that is why this country more so than ever in my lifetime is on the precipice on the verge Of a sovereign debt crisis and if the Chinese ever dump all of the Treasury bonds they hold we're gonna have it you know the 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 economists out there talk about a soft landing why the Federal Reserve which kept rates artificially low for for literally a decade which pumped trillions of fiat money into the economy while nobody was working during covid and then was expressed shock i tell you shock there's gambling in casablanca and inflation in the united states well what the hell did they think was going to happen you create too much money chasing too few goods i don't care whether you're a monetarist or an austrian economist it doesn't matter what or a keynesian for that matter you're going to get inflation every single time so then they got inflation in 2022, at 9%, why? It's dropped down to 5% now. It's actually much higher than that. If we calculated the CPI the way we used to, you could double the inflation rate. You know, we now have substitution effect. Your, 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 your refrigerator goes up twice. It doubles in price. But you know what? The bureaucrats at, at the Commerce Department say, well, you could always buy an old-fashioned icebox, so we're not going to count that inflation. Believe it or not, that's what they do. It's called the substitution effect, and it undercounts inflation. There is no soft landing. The only soft landing are the bond bond vigilantes coming back and raising interest rates because they know inflation is baked in, and they're not going to they're not going to loan anybody money for one percent when inflation is six percent. So they, the the the, the ten year treasury is now at five and going up probably. Well, that's not a soft landing. That's going to crunch the economy. And the mess we're in is a direct result of Washington's appetite for spending. Because you got to finance it somehow, and they're printing money to do it. back on the Vince Coakley radio program on News Talk 1110 WBT 99.3 uh, FM. Uh, welcome back. I'm Jason Lewis, former congressman, but more importantly, former talk show host at uh, WBT. And glad to be back. Uh, Vince will be back on Monday. We'll hold down the fort tomorrow. One more day. Beetle bumper Friday coming up. A little later today, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. on his race for president from an independent Position. He has left the Democrat Party, declared his independent run for president uh, just a couple of days ago, and we will get a briefing from RFK Jr. on all of that. And I'm telling you, he's hitting a note. Now, there's a media blackout of him, um, but he's hitting the right note on a number of things. No one was more accurate on the COVID fraud. Uh, in the COVID crisis put on by Anthony Fauci, the subject of one of his his book, by the way. We'll get into all of that next hour. Stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, I'm trying to figure out what the divide is in the Republican Party. There's this war going on, and they want to elect a House Speaker, but they still haven't done so. The Dow is down 100 points. Uh, We've seen a miserable Dow this summer. And um, you would think they would get their act together, right? Well, it's divided government. You know, you only have 2022 is supposed to be this big anti Biden wave. You know, that's an interesting point. It's amazing when you're in the free flow stream of consciousness, you can stumble upon an interesting point. Even a blind squirrel finds an acorn once in a while. And if you don't think there's an issue with the Republican Party still not hitting the right notes, And and let me be blunt about this. Trump was the closest in recent memory, policy-wise. This emerging new Republican populism is the closest to the base, to the majority of Americans, than A, Joe Biden, or B, the old-school Mitch McConnell, Mitt Romney Republicans. But the GOP cannot extricate themselves from the establishment, which, by the way, has an iron clad control over Republicans in the United States Senate. The Republicans in the United States Senate are an extension of the Democrat Party. Now, there are a few exceptions, Josh Hawley, Ted Cruz, that sort of thing. But by and large, the majority of the Republicans in the Senate who killed so many good bills we sent over there when I was in Congress are an extension of the Democrat Mainstream uniparty. And it's not even mainstream. It's mainstream in the eyes of the media. But they're part of the issue. They're part of the complex. So, Trump was gone. Certainly, America was going to reject Biden in 2022. And you couldn't talk about you know ballot fraud because the media then would call you a conspiracy theorist and you might get prosecuted. Yeah, but we live in a free country. But nevertheless, 2022 is going to be this Republican wave. They barely won the House. They've got a four or five vote margin. Why did they not be? Why weren't they swept in the way Democrats swept in in 2018? They won 40, 45 seats. I think 41, maybe. Um, The reason is this divide in the GOP is is preventing a choice not an echo from being delivered to voters i mean don't take my word for it you know the people you talk with whether you're relatives or friends yeah you know i can't stand biden i don't like the democrats and this woke garbage that is dividing the country along ethnic tribal factions look out rwanda we're you know we're after you next that's where we're headed with this reparation stuff and with this to- total obsession with dividing the country on the basis of ethnicity. Um, but I just can't vote for Republicans. I just can't do it. Now, why, what is it going to take to get over that? They've got to remove themselves from this establishment, neoconservative, Mitt Romney, Mitch McConnell, republicanism and they have not done it trump tried and he's still trying and he's not perfect don't get me wrong DeSantis is pretty darn good but he's not perfect rfk is striking a note because he is getting close to it but he's an independent and republicans don't want to leave their tribe this is the mess we're in so what do you think about it 704-570-1110 let's go to york and ed you're first up hi ed how are you
2: Hi, good morning. God bless you. And God bless America. Amen. I'm an American first. I'm neither party, but I had to choose between parties. <clears throat> and I my mother was a lifelong democrat, but the direction they were heading is totally socialist and now even heading towards Marxism. So, I kind of looked at the Republican Party, and I saw someone who was wanted to run who really wasn't a Republican. And who and was he that? Won. His name is Donald Trump. He's an American first. And that's you know, why a lot of... Re- I think you're spot Trump. on.
1: I think you're 100% spot on. Hillary was going to run away for, uh, with this thing. Trump was unelectable. And he tapped into a, people like Ed, exactly, with a Democrat heritage but couldn't quite vote for these, these big corporate Republicans. And yet, a guy comes along and says, no, I, I'm actually for the little guy. I'm actually for the working man. I'm not for um, McKenzie consultants. And he tapped into that. And what are the Republicans trying to do? Squash him out of the party.
2: He's the best thing that happened to America in my life since so I'm done.
1: Well, uh, if you say you're America first, let me ask you a question. And I'll answer it on the other side of the news. But where do you think American troops should be deployed first?
2: I would say Israel.
1: Uh, that's an interesting point, and there's certainly been a strong ally and a counterweight to the Shia extremism. But a lot of America firsters say, well, before we go anywhere overseas, why the hell aren't they at the border? Well, we'll talk about that on the other side. Stick around, everybody. I'm Jason Lewis in for Vince Coakley today on News Talk 1110 WBT.
0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
1: a man that's running against somebody that's never done a damn thing in the Senate, Mr. Jason Lewis. Second hour now up and running on the Vince Coakley radio program. I am the talk show host formerly known as Congressman Jason Lewis filling in for Vince today. I'll be back tomorrow for a beetle bumper Friday and Vince will be back on Monday. In the meantime, a jam packed second hour for you coming up next segment. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. on his independent run for president. Why? I think he's hitting a chord. We'll get into that with the candidate. Also, Ed called from the last hour and said, no, 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 Jason. I'm so sorry. I didn't mention the border. You're right right you're right i know ed it was a trick question uh, we'll get to that momentarily it is interesting though that no one seems to still understand the real chasm within the republican party that's driving the speakership nonsense and all the rest and let me just quote a fellow by who was known as ohio's mr republican actually he was known as mr republican from ohio he was he was ike's main um nemesis or adversary but robert taft of ohio once said i fear we are being drawn towards war socialism and bankruptcy all at once and war is the health of the state and we are now hearing the pounding of the war drums no one in their right mind could condone what hamas is or what they did or for that matter hezbollah the brutal assault on Israel, deserves a harsh response, and they're about to get it. In fact, I think it's probably going to be the end of self-rule in Gaza, and frankly, who could blame Israel for that? The question becomes what we should do and what we shouldn't do. What we shouldn't do is condone Hamas the way the squad from Rashida Tlaib to to AOC and Ilan Omar seems to be doing. They refuse to condemn them. But also what we shouldn't do, the other end of the extreme, is have this sudden knee-jerk urge lurch towards, well, let's, let's start bombing Tehran tomorrow. Nikki Haley, Lindsey Graham, Dan Crenshaw, Mike Waltz, you name the hardline hawks in the Republican Party, they want war tomorrow with Iran. Do you realize what would happen if we did that? For decades and previous Democrat and Republican administrations, ever since the Shah fell, and by the way, the reason the Shah fell was we had propped him up and the citizens had enough of it. Sort of the way we went into Iraq to make things better and made them worse. Ditto Afghanistan. Ditto all of the, oh, <laughs> literally the bipartisan uniparty foreign policy establishment has put us in the mess we're in, Period. And now they want to do more. So what do you think would happen if we started bombing Tehran tomorrow? There has been a policy across administrations for decades since the Shah fell of containing the Ayatollah, which is the right thing to do. Sadly, Iraq, which was a Sunni government, you know, Saddam Hussein was ostensibly secular, but really it was a Sunni regime. They were a natural counterweight to the Shia in Iran. They went to war, had a horrible, bloody war. That is how geopolitics works. You have weights and counterweights. So you don't have to put American blood and treasure in places 5,000 miles away instead of on your border. Well, we went into Iraq. That was just very much like 9-11. We got to go to war. We got to do something. We went into Iraq, which had no weapons of mass destruction, Probably very little, if anything, to do with 9-11. There was a Saudi arranged uh, under the Saudi regime. It was arranged there, and now we're dealing with Saudi Arabia. We're praising them. This is the foreign policy establishment. So we go to an, a country that is massively larger than Iraq, has 82 million people, massive army larger than Iraq, Controls the Strait of Hormuz and energy supplies and is enriching uh, uranium. You tell me, what do you think would happen? So we're left with this debate. We're left with this debate from the the tragedy in Israel or the the brutal atrocities in Israel. We're left with this debate on the one hand. Don't condemn them. That's one extreme. On the other extreme is "Ah, that's war tomorrow. We got to have a war. And by the way, that's the, the crux of the chasm in the GOP. There are a few people there, there a, a, a small number, I was one of them, who are very resistant, very reluctant to use war as a first resort. But the bulk of the caucus is itching. Finger on the trigger, I'm afraid. And that is getting to the heart of the debate there. So, you know, we'll talk with RFK about this a little bit, but say what you want, whether you like it or not, Those are the only options we're given right now. And neither one of them are acceptable. But speaking of the border, (laughs) let's see. September had 260,000 encounters, the largest on record. December, 252,000. Uh, August 232,000, 2.8 million illegals in fiscal year 2023, 2.7 million in 2022, the single largest border crossing in U.S history. We are being invaded with the, con- uh, with, with the resultant fentanyl crisis, opioid crisis, crime, human trafficking, drug trafficking, and yet and yet, no one is talking about putting our troops. On our border, that's very odd to me and very disturbing.
0: Whether it's audiobooks or all time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.
1: We're back on News Talk 1110 WBT 99.3 FM with former Congressman Jason Lewis doing a little fill-in work this week. We'll be back tomorrow. Always a pleasure to be in the Queen City, uh, Charlotte, a big part of my life when I was a talk show host there many, many uh, years ago. Speaking of many years ago, President John F. Kennedy once famously said, Sometimes party loyalty asks too much. And no one's a better example of this uh, than RFK Jr., who this week declared his independence from the Democrat Party and decided to run as an independent for president of the United States. As I've been talking, he is hitting the right notes to a populist country that is shifting beneath the feet of the main two parties, and they don't recognize it yet. And had uh, RFK not been enduring a media blackout, I suspect he'd be hitting even more notes. Joining us now is Robert F. Kennedy Jr., candidate for president of the United States. Uh, Mr. Kennedy, welcome to the program.
3: Jason, thanks for so much for having me. I'm yeah. Happy to be with you.
1: It's always a pleasure. It's been a couple of years since we sat down for lunch, and I have to say, uh, I think it was in Minneapolis uh, a long ago. I was impressed with your uh, forthrightness, your your. Openness with regard to change and considering other views. And, and that is something that the the stalwarts, the orthodoxy controlling the main two parties seems resistant to the The, the country is changing um, beneath our feet. And they don't it doesn't look like they get it. Yeah. And, I, you know, I
3: think I find it um, troubling that. In, in, you know, both, if you talk to the American people, you look, you know, the polls show that 63% of the people in this country are not happy with the choice they're being asked to make today that the parties are offering them. And even, Jason, when I talk to Democrats, I've had a number of discussions with friends of mine and even family members who say, well, you shouldn't run independent because it might hurt president biden or on the other yeah. side by republicans and say that it, it yeah. might hurt president trump but they're not saying that you know biden we believe in president biden that he'll be a visionary leader that he'll be a vigorous energetic leader at a time when we desperately need that in the united states um they say don't And, and, you know, I think democracy needs to do more. For, we're the exemplary democracy in the world, and we ought to be able to make choices yeah. out of fear for the other guy rather than, right. you know, they, they, we have the best guy running on our side.
1: It seems to me, and you've hit on the COVID thing, and you were spot on. You've hit on corporatism, which has nothing to do with the free market. It's when big government gets in bed with big business. You've been right on all of those. But in a nutshell, it seems to me a lot of Americans feel as though they're stuck between the welfare party, the Democrats, and the war party, the Republicans. And, you know, there's one thing both sides agree on in the midst of a $33 trillion debt, and that is no across-the-board cuts. They're just fighting over pumping up their priorities, uh, be it the DOD or be it, you know, food stamp program and the farm bill. At some point, there's got to be a middle ground. But you were not allowed to give that option within your your within the party that your family has made so famous. They rigged the primaries by revoking New Hampshire as the century old first primary. Uh, anybody that tried to run a new hampshire anyway was going to get punished the obviously the the delegates that are the super delegates are nothing more than party hacks i guess my only question to you rfk jr is why did you even think think about running as a democrat to begin with
3: well it was it's the party of you know that i grew up in it's the party that represented the values that you Know, I most cherish, which is, you know, which are uh, the Constitution, freedom of speech, uh, protecting the environment. It was traditionally the anti war party, the you know, skepticism toward pharma, skepticism toward the military industrial complex, and towards corporatism. But now, you know, uh, as you point out, both parties are now funded by the same groups, and, and they're not. Uh, and they're closed down to allow alternative voices or progressive voices to challenge the hegemony of those you you know, know the big corporations. Last week, President Biden met with his advisors uh, from the business community he met with BlackRock and, and Goldman to decide right. the financial future of this country. And BlackRock owns all military contractors, Raytheon General Dynamics.
1: In BlackRock is leading the way for the censorship. Um, uh, you, you've got a situation here which is really terrifying. When, and I, I got the same media treatment when I was in Congress from CNN as you're getting now. You know, it, it, they don't want to debate you, they want to level ad hominem and then take their ads from Pfizer so they can keep the gravy train rolling. Um, this is so, the media are so fundamentally corrupt that. Uh, you're better off going on X, Twitter, and getting your news than you are watching any of the major networks.
3: Yeah, you're right. I mean, the, you know, we changed the rule in this country in 1997 to allow pharmaceutical companies to advertise direct-to-consumer on TV. And it's, you know, they now, the evening news, Roger Ailes once told me that the evening news divisions get 75% of their revenue for pharmaceutical companies, so they become yeah. platforms. Uh, for for promoting the products, but they those companies are now dictating content on the evening news, and that's really disturbing for our democracy.
1: Yeah, this is the one of the areas that, that really concerns me as a free market Republican, and that is markets cannot function without the free flow of information and th- this idea of reporting on the covid lockdowns the covid vaccines you talk about it in your book about fauci the the the, the 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 corruption of news when you're doing a show being brought to you by the people you're supposed to be covering is a huge problem not to mention immunity from liability suits um how do you get out from under that uh, this this is corporatism that, that you know Democrats seem to have embraced it. Republicans should be opposing it. Um, we ought to be all free market types, and we don't have it right now.
3: Yeah, you're right. I mean, we're, we this is corporate crony capitalism, and uh, it, almost every sector now is uh, is controlled by you know the, by these large corporations. You should look at there's is three companies: BlackRock, State Street, and Vanguard that own eighty eight percent. Of the S and P
1: 500. There well, and they're now. the ones demanding. They're the ones demanding DEI, ESG on on companies. You know, this this is the great funny thing about it. I tell my Republican friends, Bobby, that we got to quit carrying water for corporate America. They are not our friends. They're going woke. They're dividing the country along ethnic divisions. They are doing whatever they need to do to keep the gravy train rolling. That, I mean, why would anybody support that? Yeah. I agree
3: with you. And, you know, when the king and queen look over the balustrades at their castle and they see all their subjects fighting black against white, Republican against Democrat, they go back to the banquet table and pop champagne corks because they know that as long as everybody's fighting each other, nobody's coming over the castle wall. And, you know... Right. What exactly. I'm trying to do is find those you know, like you and me, Republican and Democrat, we now find ourselves that shared values unite us and that we, you know, we're we've been divided by the exploitation of these kind of marginal issues, these culture war issues right. that distract us from what's really going on, which is these big, you know, monolithic corporations are robbing the bank, they're they're strip mining the wealth and the equity of the middle class in this country
1: you know uh barry goldwater barry goldwater and robert dole and i suspect your your uncle uh would have agreed that if you can't vote you can't contribute and one of the big problems notwithstanding super PACs aren't supposed to coordinate there's a wink and a nod there that says i know if i take you know, the Chamber of Commerce position or the environmental position or the transgender position, that the Human Rights Campaign or the Chamber or somebody will come in and spend $2 million in my congressional district. Um, that is what's swaying these members of Congress to vote the way they do, is it not?
3: Well, you know, I'm just talking about my party, my former party, the Democratic Party is... is I would say completely controlled by uh, by its corporate donors. I'll tell you very briefly, Jason. The the when they when they fixed the you know when Debbie Wasserman Schultz fixed the party against Bernie in 2016, she re, she resigned because it was a scandal because the party is supposed to be neutral in these mm-hmm. contests. Right. Um. The the Bernie people then sued. The DNC and the court ruled in favor of the DNC, and they said it doesn't matter what their rules say. It doesn't matter that their rules said they have to be neutral. They're a private club. There's no uh, way that you can regulate them federally. So the, this is the first election now that the DNC is completely unleashed and understands it has no obligation to be fair. So. And they are not. The Biden campaign is running out of the DNC office. And it's the big corporate funders who are dictating policy. And, you know, they kill every progressive candidate. They killed Tulsi. They killed James Webb. They killed Bernie. Tulsi Gabbard. They they wouldn't allow me to compete.
1: There is no room in the Democrat Party for dissent. uh, And that is the opposite of what a political party is supposed to be. I understand you've got an event coming up in Charlotte yep uh, we're coming to Charlotte I think uh, and,
3: uh, um, let's see I gotta look at my schedule I'm in three cities a day for the next 10 days
1: <laughs> I didn't mean to I'm put you on the spot the there 14th.
3: we're in we're in Charlotte on the 14th. And you know how this goes,
1: Jason. Oh, I do. I do. It's, you know, your life in 15 minute increments. That's what it's like for a (laughs) candidate or a member of Congress. Uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., nice to talk with you today. Uh, We may not agree on everything, but we do agree on freedom of speech and freedom of thought and a vigorous marketplace of ideas, and we don't have it right now. So I wish you well.
3: Really enjoyable talking to you, Jason. I, I hope I get to see you when I'm in Charlotte.
1: You got it, bud. Uh, Be well. Robert F. Kennedy Jr., everybody. I'm Jason Lewis. interesting conversation with robert f kennedy jr Uh, he is as i say tapping into the i don't want to say moderate middle i don't like that term moderate uh, because people that claim to be moderates are nothing of the sort usually but nevertheless he's tapping into the working man and woman who just see the country drifting into the abyss under biden but can't bring themselves to vote Republican for one reason or another. And there is an issue there because they haven't controlled spending. And and as I mentioned, uh, um, that's the essence of the speakership battle. But he's tapping into things like corporatism, like um, the the, the medical uh, community or establishment force-feeding Americans on on how what they put in their own body under COVID rules and things like that. And so it's a fascinating conversation. But your thoughts, as always, on uh, RFK Jr. there for one particular topic at 1-704-570-1110 or 1-800-WBT-1110. Um, I mentioned earlier in the program about the the great exodus out of blue states. The massive exodus out of Massachusetts, New York, Illinois, Minnesota, California, Oregon, you name it. And one of the defining reasons is the governance, the liberal governance in those states, refusal to get a handle on crime. Well, breaking down the wires right now, in rural Minnesota, now Princeton, Minnesota is about an hour hour and a half north of the twin cities it's in the middle of you're just entering into the lake country Uh, five officers have been shot near princeton this morning with a suspect not yet in custody five law enforcement officers the unruly carnage minnesota by the way has surpassed its all-time record for car hijackings in the twin cities Um, crime is everywhere from movie theaters to malls, and now they're going after cops. And why is that? Because in Minnesota, like other blue states, the governing leadership from Governor Tim Walz to Senator Tina Smith, whom I ran against in 2020, cheerleaded the defunding of the police, cheerleaded BLM and Antifa, cheerleaded criminals. They have fostered the environment of lawlessness, and now the chickens are coming home to roost. This is shocking. This is like, you know, a rural North Carolina, rural South Carolina in the Piedmont, where in one incident, five police officers shot. Just another day in a blue state. Yeah, it's, it's actually... So maybe they ought to repeal the the defunding of the police. No, they actually built upon it in the last legislative session in St. Paul. Released more people. Reduced criminal penalties for more crimes. It's so out of control there. The good news is, places like North Carolina, despite Governor Roy Cooper, who is now a titular head only, how how many of Cooper's vetoes have been sustained in Raleigh? I'm trying to think of one. Uh, he's getting overruled time and time again, whether it's school choice or the budget or, or you name it. So, you know, it's really fascinating for me to watch this because when I was in Charlotte for those five years, you all remember on WBT, I hope you do anyway, North Carolina was teetering. It was teetering. It was, you know, going purple and may end up going blue because of all the folks from New York that came down, right? Massachusetts. It seems to me, thankfully, in the nick of time, there is a backlash brewing in the Tar Heel state. And personally, I couldn't be more thrilled about that. I could not be more thrilled about that. So uh, keep supporting the right people in Raleigh, and um, Cooper will become an afterthought uh, if there's any justice whatsoever. You know, I mentioned the border, too. It is astounding. We, you know, I say, well, how many, how many millions have crossed over? How many millions have crossed over? We don't know. These are border encounters released by the CPB. We don't know how many there are. Two. What does the uh, CBP say? Let's see, 2.8 million and 23, 2.7 million. So there's 6 million right there. But that's just the encounters. It could be upwards of 10, 12, 15 million people that are coming into entire communities and replacing the demographic, replacing, replacing, quite frankly, the culture in many areas. That is called replacement theory. You're not supposed to say that, but it's happening. Uh, And so um, if America first means anything, and Kennedy actually did a press conference on this at the border saying the same thing. If it means anything, it means getting control of our own border first. All right, take one more break here, squeeze it in, and then let's come back and get your reaction to our interview with uh, Bobby Kennedy as well as all these topics in the Middle East to the House of Representatives to the border.
0: Whether it's audiobooks or all time greatest hits. Long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you. Choo, choo,
1: choo. Let's see, we started the day announcing that Steve Garvey, the Dodger great, was uh, running for the U.S. Senate seat in California, and the despicable Adam Schiff has already leveled his smear. I served in Congress with Adam Schiff, and if there is a, A, more despicable human, and B, a more dangerous one in America, I don't know who it would be. I am here to tell you, friends... As a former member of Congress, and this is you're not supposed to uh, speak ill of fellow members on the House floor, but I'm not in Congress anymore. And I will tell you, Adam Schiff is a congenital liar. The California representative lied repeatedly. I mean, not once, not twice. Every chance he got on CNN and CNN buttressed the lie because they're congenital liars as well, that Trump was a Russian asset that Trump um, um, you know, was engaged in this Russian cooperation, Russiagate, Russia, 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 when we now know it was all a lie. The affidavit was made up to spy on Trump for Russian interference. He had nothing to do with what interference there was, $100,000 on Facebook, right? Facebook ads, that's interference. We get more from that on K Street in a week. In a day, from K Street lobbyists, and we do $100,000 on Facebook ads, but they lied repeatedly. And let me tell you, the damage it did. And it wasn't just handicapping the Trump administration when we were trying to do good things like deregulation and tax reform, VA reform, and all the rest. What it did is it corrupted our national security intelligence apparatus. Shift, with the help of James Brennan and James Clapper, and the DOJ and the FBI with Mr. Comey literally weaponized law enforcement at the federal level. I don't think people to this day still understand, and I have an entire chapter devoted to this in my book, Party Animal, called From Russia with Love. But I don't think people understand that Perkins Coy and Fusion GPS and the Hillary Clinton campaign concocted a Russian conspiracy theory hired out someone to make a false affidavit, use media stories that regurgitated it in the FISA court. That's the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court under FISA, a secret court in America. They brought these false affidavits, this concoction which was the true Russian conspiracy, because they used sources from Russia about the hotel rooms and the, and the Trump encounters in Russian hotels, all fabricated. And they gave it to a judge who shouldn't have given it the time of day, but signed off then on wiretaps of a political opposition. Now, there's a hell of a lot going on in the world today. You can turn on the 24-7 coverage on every major network. But if our own government is corrupt as it is, is not remedied, it won't matter what happens around the globe. We're sunk. And when they start to, with the help of the, the media complex, when they start to smear the opposition, then try to censor the opposition, now trying to jail the opposition... When they call protest, no matter how unruly, insurrection and put people in jail for saying we're going to fight like hell and issue secret wiretaps on Carter Page and General Flynn and the Trump White House. Done at the behest of the political opposition. This is the DOJ siding with one political party. That's what happens in Venezuela. Venezuela. That's what happens in a third world despotic regime, where if you lose an election, you're put in jail. America doesn't do that, except that's what we're doing. And you know who's supposed to catch this? Who's supposed to scream the loudest at political persecution? The media. But the media, the Washington Post, the New York Times, the L.A. Times, Star Tribune, CNN especially, MSNBC especially, are in bed with it. They covered it up knowing full well what was going on. Like they covered up Hunter Biden. They covered up the election interference calling Hunter Biden's laptop Russian disinformation when they knew it was false, and that was Clapper and Brennan. We have politicized and weaponized the law enforcement mechanisms of the federal government, no one is safe when you do that. No one. Not a soul. And there are about three people out there right now, maybe four, that are gonna do something about it. Donald Trump, Vivek Ramaswamy, Ron DeSantis, and Robert Kennedy. They they have all been targeted. If, yeah, let me tell you how the targets start. First, they call you insensitive. They call your views or comments offensive. Then they say, because they are, you need to be censored. Then they turn speech into a crime. You need to be jailed. That's exactly. Some hate speech should never be allowed. Really? Really? How about love speech? Should that be allowed? Oh, yes. Love speech is good, but hate speech is bad. Hate speech is a, is a pseudonym, a, a metaphor for something you don't agree with. So if I say we've got to control the border because it's changing entire demographics, dare we say replacing them, replacement theory is hate speech. You can't say that. And if you do, it's a violation. And if it's a violation, we're going to put you in jail. When the real difference was the policy difference. I want to control the border. You don't. This is the scariest development in my lifetime. And I lived through the Cold War. I lived through the Daisy ad by LBJ. You know, I, was, I, I was raised in elementary school where we had practiced the, the, the drills to hide under your desk. That's how scary that was. But it was not as scary as what's going on right now. I will tell you that, friends. This is the enemy from within. And I want you to remember this. Because for all, for all of what's going on now, and it's tragic what's happening in Israel. It's tragic what's happening in Ukraine. But it's tragic what's happening in the Congo, in Ethiopia, in Armenia. All of that's tragic. And it's certainly tragic what's happening in China. Especially since China's the one that unleashed a de facto bio warfare on the country, but nobody's talking about that. Nobody in the media. That's fine. We got to save Ukraine, but China uh, does something that would have been considered an act of war, but that's fine. This is how perverted and corrupt places like CNN and MSNBC are and the New York Times and the newspapers, you name it. It's a existential crisis and we'd we'd better prevail because if not, You won't lose an election. You're going to lose your freedom. And that's why, you know, I disagree with RFK on a number of things, but he's speaking to that. He's speaking to that. And he's one of the few. All right, we'll continue to speak to it tomorrow when we are back for a Beetle Bumper Friday, Uh, filling in for the Vince Coakley radio program. He will be back on Monday, but I'll be be right here tomorrow behind the mic. Beetle Bumper's coming your way. I'm Jason Lewis. We'll see you then on News Talk 1110, WBT 99.3 FM. Bye.